running might be a good thing, but running sucks when you start it. <laughs> like it absolutely sucks. And anyone who's like, I'll take up running. I'm like, don't talk to me for the first six months. Cause you're going to, you're going to hate me. <laughs> and when I started, it was really exactly as shitty as it was supposed to be. <laughs> Welcome to the gotta run racing podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not so average runners. And they're off. Hey everyone, we are back with another Gotta Run Racing podcast. Yeah, and we're finally in our own time zone. I can't remember the last time we did a podcast in our time zone. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yet it still feels early. (laughs) That's a very good point. Because sometimes we mess up the time zone, either us or our guest. And it's like, what was it? Should it be now or later? Well, yeah. especially with the time change. That messes everybody up. Yeah. So what's happening in the ultra world? Well, it's uh, getting to that time of the season where things are winding down a little bit. However, in the southern hem- hemisphere, we have Ultra Trail Cape Town. Yeah, there's some news coming out of that. Uh, very unfortunate news about Tom Evans getting mugged beaten up on a training run down there it's pretty scary yeah at knife point no less yes so it's terrible because he's not running the race now and it puts fear into people and it's very sad and unfortunate but we're just glad that he's okay and recovering (laughs) tom i'm glad you're not hurt it could have been much worse of course okay who is on the podcast Today. Today, we have Dr. Claire Heslop, who's an emergency physician in our home city of Toronto. Wow. Finally, we're back in TO. Right. We became aware of Claire after her amazing performance at UTMB as she was the top Canadian in 2021. She's competed in some pretty amazing races, including the Ultra Mirage in Tunisia, Madeira, Bigfoot 200, Moab 240, and the track in Australia, which is a 520-kilometer stage race back in 2017. That would be epic to go across, not across, but... The outback, yeah. The outback of Australia, nine days. Nine days. Anyways, 2023's been a really big year for her. She raced at Trans Grand Canaria. She did UTMB for the fourth time, and she just recently finished Kulamanan 100 in Sweden. How do you say that again? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I know, I kind of glossed over that. Kulamanan. I think that's right. Okay. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. And without further ado, here's Claire coming up. Welcome to the podcast and congratulations. You. You've had quite a busy year, which we'll get into. Hmm. It was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had busier years, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You have You have quite the resume, but before we get into all of that, we... We read in an article that you actually started running when you were in medical school to help get you through the the tension and uh, stress of that. But could you ever have imagined what you're doing now, running ultras all around the world at such a high level too? Yeah, I really didn't picture it. I did not have, you know, nerd, did not have an athletic, did not have an athletic uh, high school. And I went to a small high school, sports were not a big deal there. And I did do some athletic stuff in undergrad to stay fit. You know, you'd like I swam a lot, that kind of thing. But running was on my radar. I do remember a moment in med school when they talked about bone density in older people. And I'm, I'm the demographic that when I, if, when I got older, bone density would be a concern. Uh, I remember sitting there going, 
I only do things like yoga and biking for bike commuting. And I was, I'm not doing anything that's jumping up and down. And I think that was a moment where also I was running might be a good thing, but running sucks when you start it. <laughs> like it absolutely sucks. And anyone who's like, I'll take up running. I'm like, don't talk to me for the first six months. Cause you're going to you're gonna hate me. <laughs> and when I started, it was really exactly as shitty as it was supposed to be. <laughs> I was in Vancouver and I would jog uphill to this track. I know a lot of people that start when they start running, they start on a track. I don't know how, why this works, but I'd have like a electro kind of trans music play, something, some playlist that just didn't sort of stop. And I would just run circles until maybe I was, okay, I'm done for now. And then the run back downhill home and call it a day. No big deal. That's, that's all I want to do. And maybe, you know, you do a 5k for breast cancer or something and you say, I'm never doing anything like this again. You know, like <laughs> a seven-year-old passes me near the finish line. I'm like, yeah, that's what a runner looks like. I'm, <laughs> No, and then you're like, I walk. And like, I never could imagine doing anything longer. And then, and then somehow, somehow it sneaks up on you. I think that's what they, that's what happens to a lot of people is they, they don't realize until it incrementally gets you. But thank goodness, right? Yes. yes. We always have something, another challenge that we can imagine just at the edge or just beyond our capacity, which is a, what a gift, right? Absolutely. Mm. And it's unfortunate that mo- most people don't take that first step because they think it sucks or it's going to hurt or, you know. Well, it does. Well, it does. It does. And it still sucks. It still sucks, right? That first 10 minutes yes. of every run, it's still garbage. And I don't know why. It's like we have to pay a tax or something. <laughs> you don't get to have fun until you've been out there for minimum 10 minutes. Yeah. But then the rewards afterwards are yeah. what we're yeah. all doing it for, you know? And it's, I'm so grateful to have found that because I'm like you. I was the nerd in high school, not athletic, and could never have imagined that I'd be sitting here talking to ultra runners at this point so yeah yeah and and almost spoiler alert you know you didn't want to know that at that time i think if you knew that if the process wouldn't be as much a sub- gratitude wouldn't be as much of the process and surprise right wouldn't be as the process like thank goodness we have something that surprises us about ourselves constantly 100 yes, yeah. percent. yeah yeah well we could discuss many of your events <laughs> but let's just focus on this year yeah uh, first one was Trans Grand Canaria, which is an amazing place. Yeah. Been there actually. Yeah. 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 Not Did to the race. For a race? Okay. For, for another reason. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. a super cool island. And you did it four times. But what makes you keep going back besides running there during winter was great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's nice to have something on the calendar early to look forward to. But my personal history with that race dates back to, I think that was the first ultra that I realized I had put myself in way in for too far in the deep end. <laughs> it's one thing to run a 50K in Ontario. It's quite another thing to run a race <laughs> in the mountain, volcanic mountains of offshore island Spain. And the Spanish runner level of ability, like in general, European runners are amazing on technical, technical terrain. And in general, Ontario doesn't offer a lot of that, you know, (laughs) parts of the Bruce Trail, but you got to go find them. And, but I was in the midst of studying for the end of my medical residency, Mm. big exam that you study for a year for. And in the middle of that, I got really cabin fever and started training more and more with bigger goals in mind. And that was 2016. And I was on, I put myself on the wait list for this race, this 80 K race and trans Grand Canaria. Where is it on the map? Uh, and a few weeks before the race I'd, I'd trained some but I emailed them and say look I'm still on the wait list but it's okay like no big deal and they said oh yeah you want a spot I'm like, <laughs> okay dumb decisions let's do it I think some of the best decisions we make are the ones where we're not sure they're the right decision but we mm-hmm. have the courage to jump in so I took all my study notes and went to that island and then 
the race was way, it was so hard. I had blisters on every single toe. I was, I was just wrecked at the end, but I was hooked because it, it, uh, it's a tiny, tiny Island with tiny communities. Everyone stays up all night, kids, 90 year olds, everybody in between to cheer people on. The scenery is incredible. You see every ecosystem. And then the longer race there, I was well, there's more of it. <laughs> so I have to go back the next year where I had my first DNF and I'm like, DNFs are a thing. <laughs> like, I had, uh, I just split my knee open and at the most, I, I was at this great moment of the race where I was just, yep, no problem. And then I just, it, rocks are very sharp there. Mm. Um, and so I'm like, I got to go back again. And then when you start going back every year, you start thinking about it more. For sure. Well, you had your best performance this year, just over 21 hours. Was, wasn't a good run, actually. No. Not every, I've had a couple of races where they're not what you're hoping for. And it's mm-hmm. a little bit, you don't have to drop. I don't drop because I'm not, I'm not trying to do this as a professional. I think a lot of professionals sort of have to drop out so they don't lose their interest scores and things yeah. like that. But yep. I had a, it was a very crowded course and I had a kerfuffle mixture with people, a trip over a pole. And I took this again, skinned both my knees, just destroyed them <laughs> within the first 8K. Oh, in the nighttime, one fifteen in the morning. And I've just started and we just, I'm like, this would be a dumb place to stop. Right. I could, but I'm not, if I keep moving, it doesn't hurt, you know, mm-hmm. but I just couldn't go hard because I was just, I can't fall on this again. And there's one part where you climb up this 60 degree incline in the mud and I'm grinding my knees into the mud. Cause you're, I was like, this isn't going to be great at the end of this. <laughs> But yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't a good feeling. It hurt the whole way. And mm-hmm. I gave up my top 10 goals at that point. But I said, it's just, the sooner you get to the end, the sooner you get to the medical tent. So <laughs> <laughs> that's where your medical knowledge kicked in. You're like, I could easily get an infection from this mud. Yeah, <laughs> it took a while to heal because it wasn't washed out, cleared and cleaned up till after. I just went straight to the, to the they're, they're a great, great team there. They they did not, and they had nothing to do the moment I finished. It was nothing, nothing else going on. So I had suddenly had seven nurses scrubbing and washing and like that's good yeah yeah so i mean the the race is so well organized that's the other reason to go back they're Mm -hmm. very very well organized and they really try to amplify female runners as well in the photos in the media in the way they cover it Mm -hmm. so they've made a they've made a change to say the percentage of women running this is 10 to 8 to 10 percent versus the men Mm -hmm. just like all the other big european ultras for some reason we're still working on and that they really are keen to do what they can to shift that so they have female specific change rooms and toilets at the major aid stations. They have, mm. you know, like I said, photos of women on the website and in the, in the media promotions to for whether visibility is a component. I like to support races that have that energy to them as well. For sure. Uh, of course. But I'm not sure if I want to do it again this year. It's like, <laughs> I still would like a better finish, but to get a better finish in Transgrand Canaria, you have to suffer even if your knees are intact. Mm. It is a very technical and very unforgiving race. And sometimes the conditions are really bad. But yeah. it's beautiful. Like you said, at the finish line, it's the beach, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you do finish in paradise right at the end. Jump in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although this time I was like, I can't even go swimming at the end of it. No. <laughs> yeah. Now, something you said there made me think, I, have you ever considered being on a medical team for a race as a volunteer? Yeah, yeah, I have thought about that, especially if I do any races with volunteering expectations. Mm-hmm. It's often the hat for Hard Rock every year, and they require trail work. But some races, it's just volunteer time. Yeah, and, and even the our um, various doctors around Toronto do the Toronto Marathon, and I've mm-hmm. I've worked I've worked at the hospital rather than the medical team when that's been going on. But we get waves of runners, and it's actually I think really nice to to prioritize to to work those shifts because you're going to do my regular job, but I'm also get to be a 
um, a person who understands what they're going through and says, this person's fine, this one's not. But yeah, yeah, I think it'd be interesting. It's a lot of work. And a lot of the, you know, the volunteers have good event uh, experience. There's an extra training with that. So yeah, it overlaps on top of it. If you ever want to do it on a smaller scale, we'd be happy to have you at one of our events. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. that'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. And you're certainly in the areas where I do a lot of my training too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. I was going to um, Mono Cliffs area oh, yeah. twice a month. I'd literally rent a car to go there just to do. That's the, such a beautiful set of trails, right? Yeah, yeah. we're so lucky. Yeah. <laughs> well, in Trans Grand Canary, you, you kept bettering your time over the years and another place you did that was utmb obviously <laughs> and i want to just go over some numbers yeah let's do the numbers this is 2018 <laughs> which is my area is about 42 hours on 2018 then you 2021 you did 10 hours better around 32 hours <laughs> 11 <Yeah>. hours <laughs> and then 2022 you did took another hour and a half off which is incredible 30 hours so how did you take off 14 hours from the first time from 2018 <laughs> to 2023. What is the secret? Please let us know. Consistent. Well, first of all, consistency. And I think the runner that I was back in 2016 to 2018 was completely a novice to all of the stuff that you have to know in running that you have to learn. And I was out for people that do their first UTMB, if they're not professionals, are out, usually out there to just go, I'm going to soak in the experience. Yes. And they get stuck in the Congo line. <laughs> and the crowding and all of that too. And that's just part of it. So I went to that race, you know, just to take photos and to, and to soak it in and to, and I buddied up with another Canadian. We, we shared a lot of the race until he started to take more naps than I was willing to take. Cause I took a nap. I was done. And so I did split up with him around Champelac and then did the rest, but going through that second night and into the next day is such a harder event. It's such a harder event. Granted, my training has been better, so I'm stronger than, but I remember that was a much harder UTMB than any of the ones since. Because mm. your sun's rising and you're still doing this. And then it's afternoon and you're still doing this. <laughs> you know, you get changed completely and you pretend it's a new day, but your brain is all over the place. And I don't know if you've ever experienced race hallucinations, but it's a fun extra element to play with. <laughs> like, I was out here and now there's faces on the rocks and there's this trees moving and... Yeah. The big difference between the last of the last two years has been better training mm -hmm. and better fueling. That's something that I think athletes are actually cluing into in the last, both in cycling and, and long distance running are cluing into the real role of higher carbohydrate intake and the major, major difference it has to changing our endurance limits, not just during events, but ar around that as well. I don't think, I don't think that was hammered home well enough to me early in ultras. I had, I was go out, out there with no guidance, no coaching, nothing at the beginning. And I think I remember thinking, well, you're supposed to have your unlimited fat stores. And so, you know, have some snacks, but keep running. <laughs> so I always hallucinated during race. I was always bonking. I was always miserable at one point. But uh, the last couple of years at UTMB, it's, it's been a better calorie intake, better, better motivation, and also some prompting. My partner's a, a long-distance ultramarathon runner, and I think it was the nudging of saying, here, having someone else say, you know, you could go a little faster, mm. plants a very um, maybe dangerous, maybe great seed in your head. Because <laughs> I'd had a couple of breakthrough races in 2021 after COVID, the podium finish at UTMB Spain, which was like, how did that happen? I was, I was yeah. completely shocked that I was running well enough, but I, I had had some coaching prior to that and better distance and better training, but it just shocked me to be up on a stage suddenly in Europe and going, Oh, I think I should think about this more. 
Right. Mm. So that little seed with self-belief. So self-belief is important in this sport. And however you think you are is a big part of how you perform. So I had the, I'm just mid, mid pack, happy, maybe hallucinating one hat on. And then I switched to like, let's, let's, let's hurry. Let's, let's see what we can do. Let's be surprised. Why not me is another thought. Why not believe in yourself? Right. Which is interesting, especially after I'm older now and sort of I'm in my forties. So in many respects, people don't think about athletes in their forties as, as continuing to improve, mm-hmm. but in this sport, it is so possible for women yeah. to podium at UTMB at this age or older self-belief and confidence in the face of how we might think about ourselves at, at different ages in our life is really, really key. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Now, Claire, how long had you been trying to get to UTMB before that first time in 2018? No, I think I was lottery first time there. Oh, it was wow. different. It was easier. I think I think maybe I'd had a year or two to think about it, but mm. I had a few points back then. It was points from just various races. There wasn't this UTMB yeah. franchise you could. <laughs> I had done Madeira Island Ultra Trail earlier that year, but I think the points I had were from I'm not even sure how that worked back then. Trans Grand Canaria and a couple other ones, and I went in the lottery. I think I wasn't I wasn't successful in the lottery the previous year. I think that it was a second second time round. Mm. Yeah, that's still pretty lucky because I know Norm <laughs> Norm tried the lottery several times too before he got in. So that yeah. is still pretty. And you get in automatically at a certain point. That's what happened to me in 2020, and then the world shut down. Right, right. So, <laughs> so 2021 was quite a different year as well, with also the wave starts, which was completely changed the game, because I was in the last wave start for for 2021. Mm. So you're chasing virtual people who are all at different times. Yeah, right. right. So I wasn't in a competitive, like I had to go to that race saying I've trained to do well, but I will never see anyone that I'm competing with. Mm. It's a weird experience. It was not a competitive experience. Right. You're just running and theory like a time trial yeah yeah so i it's a lot better to be able to see although that said i'm not sure i'm going to be the type to throw myself into the front pack at the start unless i want to blow up and (laughs) i'm the one who i'm the one who goes steadily consistently up the ranking later on that's going to have to be my style i've tried other i've tried to not do that but unless it's a hundred mile race i just have to go from consistently (laughs) well that's interesting that you've described it that way because one of my questions was when you do a race so many times obviously strategy becomes part of your plan in future editions where you're going to make up time but your first two experiences were hey i'm here i'm going to soak it all in and b uh i don't know where anyone's placed so those two are kind of a washout but i assume you know in 22 and 23 you were able to think okay i know i can take more time off spending less time in aid stations, for example. So that must yeah. have really been a focus the last two years. Yeah. yeah, that was a big focus, less time in aid stations. But I think in 2021, again, I trip and fall. I, I'm learning to pick my feet up better. <laughs> but I had a trip and fall. My mind wandered in 2021 on this long, steady uphill section mm-hmm. prior to the climb into, I think it was part of the climb into Italy. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and skid my knee. And then the, the aid station volunteers at the aid station after the descent into Italy said, can you just clean that up? And I was like, I can clean that up. That's fine. And, uh, and so, so spent some time there because it was a bit of a wait and then spent some more time than I wanted in one of the other aid stations. And I said, well, I could probably cut. Well, I also used to buy ice cream while I was on the course. I used to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's hot. And, in, in, and you get into Switzerland and there's 
Switzerland is such a beautiful country to run in, but it's definitely there's less spectators on course. It's it's much less invigorating in that section. Mm. And these, these sort of long, slow climbs in the heat. So I had this tradition of stopping to buy ice cream, which takes some time because you've got to go up to around a few corners and buy the and the first year I did that, I had a long discussion about, you know, because I paid in cash and in change back in Swiss with Franks and the whole thing <laughs> took off. So there was obvious places to trim some energy. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And, and sometimes I remember, I, I remember going through inventory wise and going, well, even without better training, I can, I can take an hour off of this. <laughs> and then, and then I started making timetables in my phone. So the front of my phone would have just the expected time in, mm-hmm. which is funny because if you think, you know, each of those are two or three hours separate, how do you know where you're at? Right. <laughs> like, how do you, Oh, so I got to be in refugio in this, in, um, Champelac in, in two hours, 40 minutes. Okay. What, what do you do? What, why is that important? Like, how do you, how do you run that distance? How do you know? Yeah. And it's, and I don't exactly know how to explain it, but I would usually hit those. Mm. Oh. And that's not necessary if you don't have a crew because you're not telling anyone else. It's not the aid station people. She's on time. <laughs> <laughs> But it's mentally helpful to feel that positive reinforcement. You're not in the mm. void. You're not, I have no idea where I am in this race. How am I doing, et cetera? You can at least have those goals and you can have that sensation that you're you're on track or you're maybe ahead of, of schedule and you want to, that's fine. Good for you. Like you can, it's like playing a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now this year you were going in and out of top 10. Were you going in out of top 10? Or were you trying to get into top 10? I was hoping for top 10. Now we don't always get what we want the first time round. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> but I top 10 was my really the big A goal. And I had, I was on Lucy Bartholomew's tail, but I had passed, I passed two female runners, or at least one or two female runners between before the Valerstein aid station, which is the last one that is crew access mm-hmm. before the final climb and then descent into um, Chamonix. And I knew I was going to, like, I, I asked, actually, I would tell you about my crew in a moment, but I asked my crew person, Scott, to not tell me where, how I was doing in the race because I was, I was hitting my times within a minute or two. It was, it was so uncanny. I was coming in, bam, right on the time, which is great for crew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I didn't want to have it in my head that I was chasing someone. It's not usually my style. I prefer to chase my goals. And then you got, you can't control the other people's days. Sometimes they'll blow up. That's on them. Or you'll catch them if you're having a good moment, but you can't, you can't necessarily hinge on that. It's an external thing. But I saw camera crews when I was coming into Valor Sin and uh, like, though they're pointed at me. <laughs> okay, that's a good sign. And so I did touch base with Scott. I'm like, you can give me a hint about what's going on. But he's like, well, there's top 10 is like Lucy's ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And okay, well, what's what's the time frame like? He's like, well, it's probably a probably a medium gap. You might not be able to catch her, but give it a shot. You look good, etc. Crew should always say you look good. They're like, you look wonderful. <laughs> and sent me out, but my quads had almost had it. I was, I was, I was having some, I was having some rough go, but I've said nobody else is not having a rough go. Of course. You know, and if you're not having a rough time, bless your heart, keep going, crush it. But you might be having, everybody in front of me might be having a bad time, mm. you know, cruise along to the next climb. And unfortunately, I'll probably always remember this. There was um, somebody out, maybe a journalist on the course, and he, I didn't ask him where I was at. I didn't, I wasn't looking for the information. I was just like doing my best because my quads were 
having a hard time. And he looks at me and says, you're 11th. And I was like, I want to hear this. Oh. <laughs> I'm really happy about that. But like, I'm also like, because I, I didn't, I didn't really know hundred percent where I was placed at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was fine. I have information. That's okay. Cool. I'm not going to run harder, doing my best. Um, <laughs> and I said, how close am I to catching the person in front of me? And he said, mm, she's looking really good. Probably at least 20 minutes. And I, was, mm. and I think that my quads heard that. And then they were like, we're sorry. We can't keep up with denial issue anymore. And I just had a much harder time after that. So, so I prefer to stick to my own goals. I don't know if you've looked at the coverage for the way that the women's times have improved, at UTMB, yeah. but it's incredibly impressive the way that the whole pack has moved up yes. and the little cluster of people around the, the eight to 15th is getting tighter and faster. Yeah. And so you can't control that. So my, my goal could be top 10. This time would have been top 10 last few years. So I'm very happy with that. But I'm also recognizing I'm part of a group of people that are getting much better every single year. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Probably fueling is a component. I think, I think women are eating better. Hmm. So hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of the whole organization of UTMB from when you first raced it 2018 till now? Have you seen any changes with the organization of it? Well, of the actual event itself and of the franchise, obviously both things have changed. Speaking to the event, it's not a small race and it's gotten from a big race to a big mammoth sized circus, like, you know, extravaganza. So if you've been in Chamonix over the last few years, every single year has become more intense. Mm. The commercial element is much more visible. Mm-hmm. There are billboards out in the wilderness on the course. Yes, which is, we saw really? those when we did run the Alps. We saw the big posters. Remember? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's hard to see. Mm. You know, I, I've, I've been in those areas, obviously, outside of the race. You know, that they're, they're some of the most pristine wilderness you'll ever see. And granted, this is a big event that's part of the part of the culture there. And they're not ruining anything, but it does change your feeling a lot. Mm. But at the same time, it's all of these changes have amplified the sport. They've amplified the visibility of the runners, which is great. Um, they've amplified the the enthusiasm and support. So it's now an event that more people know about. So I, and I've, I've definitely seen it. It's become a very slick machine. You can you can count on what they say will happen to happen. Right. And the elite support they're they're paying much more close attention to making sure that people of in the in the top quarter at least of the race can. Can access the start of the start line. Okay, that's a really important thing. And are connected to uh, what they need for their crew and things like that. Right. Well, at least I hope that people later in the race also feel that, that the aid stations are well stocked for them, that they're feeling like the, they're getting the meaning meaningfulness out of the experience. Mm. Yeah, so that's changed. It is it is definitely a circus. It's harder and harder to book Chamonix in advance. I probably should book it already. <laughs> so, like, yeah. And then obviously the global franchise of UTMB is exploded, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's it's at the expense of some some of the things that I like about the sport, mm-hmm. which are but and, and so for that I think everybody should go back to a few small town races and get reconnected and and remember that it's just running, it's just running, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's running in community and and getting to know people and and being excited about being outside. That's why these the smaller races are still this should be bread and butter of everyone's mm-hmm. look experience. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, it's also becoming a, it's almost you have to be a certain amount of expendable income to do this sport, right? <laughs> it's becoming that way. Yeah. Yeah. That way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus the athletes, if this, if this is getting as big as football, why are we not getting, why are the athletes, the top 10, the top three, they're not getting more, more money. No, they're not. And I think that's sort of going to be the, 
the telltale of the turn of what's going to happen because mm-hmm. once you start to separate between the elites and the the rest of the people it i feel like there's going to be a time when there's going to be races that only the elites participate in mm. and less and less would they participate in just regular trail races yeah but i think we're a little ways from that because i i don't know who's going to step up to bring the money in that people are going to agree with because obviously there's controversy about car companies sponsoring trail races <laughs> and you know yeah. it, so it's going to be a while but i think you're right and to f- to be fair utmb is the pinnacle yeah right it's the pinnacle for the majority of runners around the world that want to get to that elite race and they they kind of have no choice but to make it bigger and brighter every yeah, year yeah so, yeah that's the way it goes yeah yeah it just is we have a choice we have a choice of wh- where we want to race how we want to race and yeah. that's great yep but uh, it'll be interesting to see the next five years of the sport yeah absolutely now i do i do think it's it's really a choice and a privilege to be able to do, to do these incredible races if it's not your profession but the professional trail runners don't have much choice anymore with where they race the golden trail series that solomon organizes yeah. it's another another avenue and they have they have better prize money as well but especially the utmb races across the series have never historically offered any prize money of any meaningful amount to runners and mm-hmm. these, some of the races have actually been offering less each year mm. as their own races have gotten bigger they're offering less money interesting not even not even enough to cover the entry wow so you could be top 10 in UTMB Thailand and the entry, the prize you might get or the, you know, is not going to cover the race entry. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're, you top 10 wins a spot into UTMB next year, which you pay for. So the elites <laughs> are not in a position to be able to afford that. Mm-hmm. Right. Other sports with this much viewership or this much income, if you do the math for UTMB as a franchise and the organization, there is money to pay the athletes. The photographers are paying a few thousand to just to be there. Mm-hmm thousands of photographers sponsor money is huge but it does the money in the within the organization is much greater than what's bestowed the even tds wasn't paying up until a year ago um and utmb hasn't increased how much they give athletes so i'm and and it doesn't affect me because i have a professional job right Mm -hmm. but the people that are obliged to pursue this they're not getting necessarily enough from sponsors unless they're corny Right. Yeah. But you can't have a sport where you only have a, a tiny handful of people having livable income yes. enough to afford insurance or enough to pay for food. Yeah. But even even if, he, if even people like Jim Wamsley are speaking out about not being able to afford gels, he doesn't have a nutrition sponsor and his calorie needs are, you know, <laughs> Very great. <laughs> but and if he's if he's pinching pennies, yes, Jim Wamsley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get more well known at the moment than Jim. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the sport is not a not been professionalized. Mm-hmm. It's still seen as well. You love the mountains; that's why you're here. And I'm like, <laughs> they also love being able to feed their families and things like that. And you can't hold down a full job. Jim Walmsley can't do a desk job necessarily. Right. So right. Somewhere in there, there has to be a balance because it it is sort of feeling it's becoming parasitic against the pros a little bit. Yes, for sure. Well, let's shout out to your sponsor. How how and when did that yeah. come about? Have you checked out our virtual series yet? We Run the North. Celebrating Canada's national parks features a total of 13 10-kilometer challenges, one for each province and territory. 
How many national parks can you name? Medals that connect, license plate style bibs, and cool swag can be yours. Visit GottaRunRacing.com for more details. Um, yeah, so I connected with Solomon through the Toronto Trail Runners group here, and it's a great, great running group, wonderful community. You know, they even do fundraising events and they do a lot of, of night runs and they bring anyone who's new to trail running or more experienced. And one of the um, Solomon local man- epicenter managers, Caitlin, is uh, very involved with that group as well. And so I connected with her through those events and talked to her about my my goals for this year. And I said, well, I haven't really worked in the past. I have I've worked with one sponsor before when I was living in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know, I didn't know the first thing about approaching anybody for this. Because again, that self-belief component really sometimes lags. You can feel like a little imposter syndrome in this sport, right? <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and I had no expectation of anything, but I, I had, I needed actually a lot of equipment replaced suddenly. And I had some logistical challenges getting a few things together before the race. And I thought, if I'm going to aim for top 10 this year, I really have to pull out all the stops and I have to stop. Um, holding back and self-belief and any anything that really have to just step up and take all the risks, you know, take all the risks, mm. try all the things. <laughs> <You know>, like <laughs> If there's anything that you were going to think about doing and you think it'll help, just do it. And I think that that was a beautiful perspective change for me. Mm-hmm. And mm. for me, it was like a game changer because all of a sudden, like I said, it's a different hat that you put on. Yes. Yeah. And so I was rocking up to UTMB athlete <laughs> you know it's so funny because it's like my fourth UTMB and I've been top 20 and I'm but I still wasn't tourist and I was athlete <laughs> it's a big difference were you wearing Solomon before the sponsor sometimes my favorite shorts are Solomon but <laughs> you know I was actually um I do like their shoes and I have liked their shoes I love their shoes and I mean their their packs have been they're my they've been my favorite yes. so so when Caitlin said to me well you know with with this you obviously would have to wear the all Solomon. I was like, yeah, <laughs> of course. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> now your most recent ultra took place in Sweden, the Kulamanen hundred. Yeah. Kulamanen. Yeah. Kulamanen. Had you ever raced there before? Uh, no, I had never raced in Sweden before the area. Honestly, I looked, scoped out some pictures and I learned a little bit about the area before I went from people and the I know over there and it's, it's not that different from Ontario running, to be honest. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not mountainous. There is some rocky, rocky sections that remind you the Bruce trail. And there's some long uh, windy road sections that could be, you know, they're they're along the coast. So it could be run like running in Nova Scotia or it could, and then some forests that just felt like Ontario. Wow. And some mud that reminded me of springtime season because you know we have this season on Ontario. It's winter mud and construction. <laughs> what made you choose this race? Yeah, I actually they're just great organizers. So I had and and timing. I had um I'd actually wanted to do it last year. I had been at post UTMB last year. I was feeling pretty great, and I had um I'd been hitting the mileage in the winter pre winter time and thinking, okay, I could do something else before the year's over. And I'd hoped to do that one, but timing wise, I, I just, I couldn't make the trip work around my work schedule. So I contacted the organizers in advance to say, okay, I'm sorry. I, they, Cause they, they, it was sold out and they'd offered me a spot. Mm-hmm. The organizers were extremely friendly. The, the, the main organizer pair, he is a really big fan of Canadians. His, his son went to hockey school in Quebec and oh, <laughs> like, cool. he's like, so I love Canadians. Come on over. <laughs> it was really, it was really friendly. Welcome. It's, it's a very well organized race. I always has been prior to even UTMB. They really, they run a good ship there. Mm. And so I felt confident throwing that in as a last race of the year last year, but timing didn't work. And I had to decide to postpone racing for a month or so. I wasn't quite, I wasn't physically ready as well. And I reached out this year to 
to say, look, I know I didn't go last year. Can I come this year? It's still sold out. He's absolutely show up. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was, I just felt like once you already have that connection with really nice people, it's sort of, you feel already better about doing something when you have to go off to a race by yourself, racing without other people around you is, is challenging because you do all the travel by yourself, the, Mm -hmm. the mental three days leading up where your your brain's (laughs) overworking, trying to think about 20,000 things. Yeah. So that leading up to it, it was just nice to have They're very friendly over there, extremely friendly, very organized. And it was seamless, the experience. Yeah. Speaking of travel and jet lag, a lot of the races you've done that have started at night. How do you feel yeah. about that? What do you think? Love it. You love it? Love it. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Then this race started at 6 p.m. and it was dark till nine the next day because it was Sweden. <laughs> and then we had a few hours and we were done. So right. like good headlamps. <laughs> oh, man. But I've done European races classically start evening or night because then the elites come in when the spectators are there. And also you get tiredness out. So you've got to be a nap ninja. <laughs> you have to be a nap ninja. You know, before UTMB, you're sitting there, you're already up all day. Yes. So, and you have to be capable of napping when you're nervous. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that that's an occupational skill. I was going to say, I'm sure that that worked in your favor considering what you do for a living. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And for residency, you learn to nap when your pager's not going off. And then for my job here, I work shifts. I, I actually really, I'm a bit of a night owl. I love evening and overnights. So the last few days I've been working either 10 PM to 4 AM or so, or the full mm. overnight. So napping, just kind of nap. And I don't mind nighttime. I, I do like, I love night running. Yeah. The weird and wacky nighttime. It's, it's just, it's beautiful. And then that moment, you know, that moment before the sun rises, yes. when you can sense that it's getting lighter. Mm. Hopefully you're on top of a mountain by then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you can feel that it, the night is, the night is over. It's still with you, but it's promised it'll stop. <laughs> so you get that early, early sunrise. Yeah, it's still, it's glorious yeah i prefer that to a very early morning start because you don't sleep well the night before yeah it's true did you feel fully recovered after utmb this being only what six weeks after or something like that yeah yeah it was it was nearly two months but that's a very good question yeah i um i think it might have been too soon Mm. to get my speed back i think i felt like i wanted to race because i i didn't my training to utmb this year actually wasn't as long or as thorough as i wanted there were some challenge life life logistic issues i had so i ended up really cramming my utmb training into five to six weeks before Mm. which to be fair so did jim walmsley so i'm like we have a lot in common (laughs) (laughs) and i had some backpacking stuff and um so you know, same as Jim, right? Yeah. But I felt like I had more running left in me this year. And I love the training process, not just the racing. I love the training. So I wanted to train to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had my speed back. I don't think I had the full, the full force that I needed. It might've been, I got, did get some advice. It might've been more sensible to wait a little longer, but I just wanted to do this race. And I knew that it wasn't going to be my best race. I didn't have my best race out there. I had, I had, um, I just wasn't as fast as I felt like I could have been. Mm-hmm. But you got to have those not great performances. Sometimes you can learn stuff. Absolutely. And I, I also like it's a very flat and fast course. It's the this one in, in Kulamana, Despite the rocky sections at the start, you got to be able to do rocky a rocky fifty k, and then one hundred and ten k flat dash to to do well in this one. So then nobody's a, nobody's going to enjoy both of those. So it's it was. A, but I think I think a little longer recovery would have been great. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to train slowly for something in the next several months and mm. see where I go. 
It's funny because I was going to say when I looked at the profile, it looked like a really strange heartbeat. Boom, 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 boom and then flatline. <laughs> oh, it died. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's one like, little ah, blip. No. <laughs> yeah. And they change the course every year to, to mix that up Oh, because okay. they get people to come and do it every year. And so they really pride themselves in, in flipping around that that play wow. where they have the, the horrible at the start, the horrible at the end. Right. And it isn't that horrible. It's because relatively speaking, not a lot of elevation, mm. but it's some slippery rock climbing and some nonsense. And so if your legs are, you could destroy your legs and then experience that for the next flat section, or you could have destroyed your legs in the flat section and then have a struggle fest. Either way, they really want you to have the full, full range of human experience. <laughs> I think we need to go. Well, good on you for finishing that because <laughs> after UTMB, I went into a two-month bender. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you stayed focused. Yeah, it's tough. I think it's. I think after UTMB, especially if it's if it's been a bucket list race and things like that, you you kind of don't know what to do with yourself. Mm. Yes, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think I prefer to pick up the shoes again within the next few weeks. But yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to try that next time. Just keep. Focused. Keep going. Keep focused. Because I did the same Keep thing. Lawn bowling. Yeah. yeah. I did a stage race in Utah in March. And then oh. I, I hadn't booked another race. And I really regret that because yeah. I just let it tail off. I need a race to stay on training. It's funny how we love the process, but sometimes you need the you need the reason. And like all the stuff, like the strength training, the, the stretching, the whatever, like that you get so into before the race. You're like, I'll do this forever. I'm consistent. And then the event happens and you're like, Nah, foam rollers slow. Nah. <laughs> yeah, all of us, all of us. And I've seen that among professionals that everybody has the same humble struggle with yeah. being consent. Um, which which race was that in Utah? It's um, called Run the Rocks. It's part of the um, Trans Rockies group. Oh, cool. It was nice. the first year for it, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did grind to grand out there. It's a stage mm -hmm. race that's in the fall. But it's so cool out there. It's incredible. That's unlike anywhere else in the world, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really neat, really neat stuff in the U.S. too. We poke around in. Mm -hmm. Well, big congrats on an incredible year. <laughs> What's next for you next year? Can you top this one? <laughs> yes, obviously. One of the reasons I went to Kulamanan was to secure my spot because they are very clear that the elites um, now they have a very clear path for people to get into UTMB who are aiming for a high performance. And so top three at Kulaman and go, but also if you get a certain score, which makes me wonder about the top three process in general, why bother? But mm. if you get a certain score, you can have a direct entry mm. provided you have the stones and everything else. So I've, I brought a direct entry for this year. Otherwise I would have been in the lottery for UTMB and I mm. didn't want to go through that. Yeah. I do. I did want to be there and, and take everything that I learned last year and see if I can get anyone nearly as awesome to crew me. Cause I was very lucky this past year. <laughs> Yeah, take everything I learned and just just to finesse and or just squeeze another hour and a half. <laughs> it's like reading something dry though. There's only so much you can do. But um, maybe some better, like maybe some better training wisdom. There's there's certainly lots of things I know I can add to for training. So you know, UTMB will be the pinnacle race of my year unless something happens or an injury or whatever, which you have to be you know, always aware of. I've been I've been very lucky to not have had any time off for injury in the last, oh, I shouldn't say this stuff. <laughs> Seven or eight years, I haven't had any major time off for injury. But uh, but before that, just leading up, I'd like to play around with some shorter races. Mm. I'd like to, because I think, I think long distance specialists like myself can forget about speed 
and and really trying to go out there and feeling what our edge is. And right. you can do that in training, but you better to experience in like a 30K to 50K distance maybe, and just go out and just try to blow up, see what happens. When I've done that and gone hard at the start, I always thought in my head, this, I'm going to blow up, I'm going to blow up, I'm going to blow up. But we all have a central governor. We all have something that holds us, Some most of us do, not all of us. <laughs> um, something that holds us back from being too insane. So Kenya Galosa is a race in Spain last year that I was top three in. It's a big popular race in Europe that gets some attention. And I went out, I said, I'm just going to go for it. Forget it. And then there's a lot of good fast women here, but why not? And I just went out bad out of hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're coming into the aid station around 20, 30 K going, I'm going too hard. I feel awful. Um, <laughs> and I had great crew from my partner and he was like, he was like, keep going. You look great. Um, people ahead of you, they look, they look tired to go for it. And I just went as hard as I could. And it's hundred under 110 K. I finished bad out of hell as well, because this woman in fourth kept catching <laughs> every time I slowed down, she just got on my heels. And so I started to run, just, I did the last two K as hard as I could. And then you just realize that like, you can still run hard at the end of these things. Mm-hmm. Well, what's left? What is there? And I threw up for a while. Like, <laughs> so I didn't have a lot left, but, but I'd like to experience more of taking more risks. I am cautious in my races, which is why I tend to come up from the back, but I have to be less cautious if I want bigger goals. So it's a balance. That's a good point. Yeah. The long, the longer the race, the harder it is to finish the tank because you're always just keeping in the back of your mind that you need a little bit left. You need a little bit left, but at some point yeah. you, you got to go for it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that, that is the real challenge of our sport too, is, is that balance of the central governor with body maintenance and problem solving. And it's a really, it's why you can keep learning forever in this sport. And I still am learning about what fuels work for me and what electrolytes work for me. And so you can, you can be a nerd. You can be a nerd and an athlete, guys. <laughs> this, is right. this is the perfect land for us, right? There it is. You no, know, nerding out on gut transporters for different sugars and in, in endurance athletics. You can be a nerd and an athlete. And this is where we all <laughs> end up, right? <laughs> or we're dot watching from the couch. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were pretty pleased to see that you'd run Chase the Coyote in 2018. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> One of our yeah. events. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one where I did this the little loopy thing. An extra time on the first go round. Oh, did you? Was that yeah. you? That was me. Oh, no. <laughs> that was me. I just I looked at the sign that, that was going. I just looked at the sign to take the loop, and I just was like, "All oh, right, that one." And I remember the second later in that loop, I'm going. I've seen these trees before, oh, and no. I'm not seeing anyone else. But <laughs> like that's why I had a negative split on that one because I just a longer first loop. That's what kept you off the podium. Shucks. All right. It's all right. I'm like, he's like, when you mess up like that, you got to say you did it, right? (laughs) That's right. Now Now he's coming back to you. Now he's coming back to me. Yeah. I remember, I remember asking like, well, like I I knew, I knew I'd done it, but anyway, you know what I've done since is, is all the time I've spent out on in mono cliffs. I prefer to actually go out, start running through that section, start running to get there from, from parking go up to that loop. And I actually now do that loop as a repeat. Oh, I'll hang my fuel on a tree and I'll do that loop as a training repeat four or five, six times before I go and run the rest of the park to finish my day. So ironically, that race has inspired me to like just do this training experience where I have a timed time training section on that as part of my <laughs> long runs. So I'm like, we're gonna meditate on how long I've been out here. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's that it was such a fun race, though. So oh, out, of, thank you. out of all the races you've done in the world, where does Chase the Coyote rank? Oh, way up high. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, you know, that's a, such a cool park because you've got all this, all these different ecosystems in one place. Mm-hmm. 
the sandy yeah. sections, the the cedar tree sections, the pine sections. So even on that one loop, you got six different, I've had lots, lots of time to look at them. <laughs> six different types of trees, the silver birch is going through there and it's yeah. it's really really cool it's definitely that's definitely number one oh, chase yeah. the coyote, as long as chase the coyote by utmb doesn't happen please don't <laughs> it used to give utmb one stone yeah i, I did yeah it used yeah. to yeah and not so much anymore <laughs> not so much. unfortunately not. so will it be happening again it depends if they give us better parking if they increase yeah. parking if yeah we kind of got squeezed out based on the new rules which is unfortunate but oh, okay. You remember the the street yeah. parking that happened during the race that yeah. during after COVID, unfortunately, there were too many incidents where people were parking all over the place. So they took away the parking on the road, which greatly limits the amount of people. We had 200 cars on the road. So they said that that's not happening anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they could so just sell, <laughs> they could sell $5 parking passes for the road for that one specific day, make a bunch of money and let it go. Right. Yeah. It's interesting how too in North America, there's so many limits on how many people can be on the trail. And yet yeah. when we were in France in doing Europe, the UTMB hike, thousands of thousands people, of people thousands and of people. they figure it out. They have the logistics built in, like they make it possible for yeah. anybody yeah. to access the trail, which is amazing. Yeah. I it's wish a we could mindset. It yeah, is a different mindset. It's yeah. not just the trail construction, but trail construction in Europe is outstanding because you never think about it right but there's actually yeah. a lot of work that goes into the into the way the trail drains and the way it's built they, they don't they don't consider it to be something that you need you need special access to like i've never been to a place in europe where i had to pay for parking at an outdoor location right um, yeah 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 it's a it's a different mentality yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. we're still blessed in canada have in ontario to have so much trail but it's the parking thing is, is like interesting you have to book your spot yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. exactly well this has been awesome claire thank you so awesome. much we really enjoyed chatting with you before we let you go we do have a little rapid fire questions oh, cool. just for Love fun. It. okay all right mm-hmm. uh butter tarts with or without raisins so i did eat some i did i did was aiming for an fkt once on the rito trail do you know that that trail ah near Extend ottawa, ottawa 200 miles I dropped from it. I think I was just like tired after hundred miles. But at one point I refueled in a small town on like a plate of, you know, there's like six packs of butter tarts wrapped in plastic to get anywhere in Ontario. Yeah. Like perfect. And like three more in the bag. Yeah. Butter tarts are good fuel. Absolutely. (laughs) Now, because we know you like ice cream, what's your favorite flavor? Oh dear. Mm. I mean, if I'm in Europe, this is actually not rapid. If I'm in Europe, it's pistachio. Let's just go with that. Okay. (laughs) Gelato. Gelato, Gelato, not ice cream, right? Yeah. Uh, Name a TV show you're embarrassed to say you watch. Oh, I don't know if I'm like that embarrassed to say I've watched The Last of Us, but I watched the third episode five times. (laughs) So maybe that's silly. It's really That's a great show. Which one is it? Yeah. The Last of Us. Oh, The Last of Us. Yeah, it's a great show. Now we know you have tattoos, but do you have any running related tattoos? I mean, a lot of them are sort of running related a little bit. Like I've got an Ibex skull on my back. That's like sort of related to Chamonix and stuff. Yeah. Right. Okay. Very yeah. cool. All right. What's another sport you'd like to excel in? I am a novice paraglider. Mm. I my pilot's license last year in New Zealand. Wow. And, but I'm in that place where I know the sport well enough to do it 
but doing it independently at new sites with new equipment and everything, mm-hmm. I'm still in the early learning curve. So the Dunning-Kruger effect hasn't killed me yet because you get confident <laughs> and you suck. But uh, I really need to get, I'd love to get better at it because I, I take to some elements of it naturally, um, thermals and height and things, mm. but I need to get better at my landings. <laughs> I, I assume you've done it in Chamonix then because we yeah, are fascinated yeah, watching people. Oh my yeah, God. I have a hard time because I didn't do any paragliding this summer because of my just focus on the race. I was like, this is going to be dumb if I get injured. <laughs> so, uh, but I had a hard time just like see. What are we up there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had done some in, in further down the valley in Pessy, mm. where they have again great great launch and landing sites. And my my aspirationally to get into hike and fly where you just run up and jump off. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Now what would you choose? The treadmill for a long run or outside at minus twenty? That's tough. <laughs> it's outside at minus 20, but it depends on the wind on the waterfront. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you get down there and then you decide which way you're going that day. Minus, minus 20 with sun and no wind. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the sun and no wind is very different. And But if it's, you know, you go into the wind, then you turn around and get whipped back down. <laughs> yeah. All right, Norm, you're up. Uh, pick a superpower that you'd like to have. Oh, flight, obviously. <laughs> that was an easy one. <laughs> yeah, invisibility is not hard. If, you, if you're a trail runner, you've snuck up behind people before, right? So invisibility is easy. But flight <laughs> is cool. Yeah. And better for the planet than all my traveling. <laughs> all, all right, right Claire, thank you so much. Thanks so much. It's been great. It's been wonderful. Thank you very much. And best of luck with your next races. Are you planning anything for soon coming we up? Just signed up for a couple yesterday. Yeah. What did you sign up for? You clicked buttons. You clicked on the computer. What did yes, you sign right. up for? Uh, I chose Slovenia, Ultra Trail of Avipa Valley. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's going to be amazing. I'm really the looking forward there to it. Beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I, apparently it's not mountains. It's more like low level mm-hmm. climbing. So, but. To us, that'll be a mountain. <laughs> and, and then do, will you have a little time there to enjoy the Viana? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. just deciding because normally we're the people that book a race at the end of our trip. And I really don't want to do that this time. I want to do the race and then have the vacation. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the wine and the indulgences and the, yeah, the relaxing. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. it, can, it can be a lot on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. And then Norm just signed up for Lost Soul 100K. Awesome. Oh, cool. So did a friend of mine. Yeah. Have you done that race before? No. So we've talked about it so many times on our podcast. So I figured I better go start doing these races that we talk about. Especially in Canada. (laughs) So to running in the coolies for 100K, that's going to be interesting. Never ending up and down. Okay. But I think I've heard that it's it's super friendly. Small town Albertans out there are just really enthusiastic. So And we had the director on our podcast. So he did. And chatted it up for us. <laughs> That's how they get you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, look, now we want to go to Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> it's never ending. Never ending. <laughs> it's never ending. That's ideally, ideally you do this forever. So yeah. 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 All right. Well, well, with you. Thank you. Yeah, you too. And we'll stay in touch. Excellent. Okay. Good luck. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Well, first of all, shout out to Andrew from Toronto Trail Runners for hooking us up with Claire. Yeah, that was great for him to do that. We're looking at her for a while now, and then he made it happen. That's right. So cheers, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what a great sense of humor. And her outlook, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What a journey, though, from 41 hours to 
28. Taking 14 hours off the UTMB <laughs> and, and even at uh, Trans Grand Canaria. Every, she's been there four years and every year is getting better. And I really appreciate the fact that she's a female athlete in her early 40s and is doing better all the time. That, that, that's inspiration for many of us. What's Even that? though I'm not in my 40s anymore, it's still inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, to all the nerds out there who could be athletes. <laughs> hey, she said it. I didn't say it. <laughs> well, it's true. Yeah. For sure. And shout out to Solomon for picking her up as a sponsor. Yes. Great. Love it. Love it. And her whole take on how professionals need to get paid more. or Of course. And that right now UTMB is the focus where all the pros need to get to to compete against each other. Now, that may change in the future. Mm-hmm. It could be a completely different race. Yeah. But right now, this is the one. Yeah. Yep. And we can't wait to see what she does next year at UTMB. You got it. We'll be watching. Until next time. We are your hosts, Jody and Norman. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Please visit our website, gotterunracing.com, for more details and join us on social media at Racing on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can support our channel by joining us on Patreon. All of the links can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Cheers.